you're a valuable person, you're not a number, you're not a ledger entry, you could never be replaced with AI or any technology or anything else, you're unique. Your uniqueness, your consciousness could never be bought or sold, it's priceless. I see you, and you see yourself. And who is anybody kidding? The purpose of this show, smell the inside of your nose, do it right now, is to give you some encouragement, some recognition, some daily inspiration to uplift you as you start your day or end your day or just help you get your best foot forward because your value is appreciated here. If you're a small business owner, a wage worker, or someone trying hard to make it in these challenging circumstances, you are a hero. You are the heroes. You are the heroines of this show's story, regardless of your political affiliations or your religious beliefs or your traditions or your tribes. You are the value in this economy and you're seen in a world of destruction and degradation. The world should see you for the value that you create. If you're working a job and you're homeless or houseless and you have to live in shelters or cars, this podcast is dedicated to you. You shouldn't be having to go through that. Your resilience is recognized and you're not alone here. Different people do different things when they wake up. I smell the inside of my nose. Then I hold on to the bed and make sure I'm really here because it's hard to believe it. Then I exhale and I step outside and make sure the stars are still where they usually are. And they usually are. It's a moment of quiet, anxious wonderment every morning. I suppose one might say I'm an empiricist. Things are what they are. And that is a pretty scary idea for a lot of people. Hey, it's me hurling, hurling. It's me hurling. No, it's me, Herschel Sterling. How you doing? (laughs) I'm not hurling. Don't worry. I got another story for you today. But guess what? First, I really want to ask you, if you would please, if you're listening to this, if you're reading this, would you share it? For real. I mean, I'm putting some time in here. How about just a quick little, hit the little button and do a share. Just, Just do it. Whatever your social media or Substack or on your podcast app just do something I'm really working hard and I need a share so somebody make me feel good and give me a share let me know you're out there I know you're watching I know you're reading because I can see my statistics but I still I need to see a share every once in a while everybody needs that once in a while so today's story guess what it is it's the it's day number nine of And you know what that means? That means I'm going to, I'm doing more stories and I'm going to read my story for you. And this story is called The Cheese Guard. I know that sounds weird, right? The Cheese Guard, but that's the name of it. Hungry Henry and Rotund Ronald have a conversation. That's the name of the story. Day nine of Flash Fiction February. Have a little snack of a podcast with me, will you? And if you're reading this or if you're listening to it, I could use some shares. Please share it. So let's get on with my story here, The Cheese Guard, where Hungry Henry and Rotund Ronald have a conversation, something like a little negotiation, something like a little understanding. Shall we call it that? Henry is a hungry mouse. 
He's so hungry that he's walking around talking to himself. I really got to find some cheese, Henry says to himself. This is ridiculous. What's a guy got to do to get some cheese around here? Henry squeezes under a closed door and proceeds down a staircase. His nose wrinkles and his head pops up. I smell cheese, I think. He turns the corner at the bottom of the staircase. And he sees another mouse, a plump mouse, wearing a uniform. And behind this mouse is a gigantic chunk of tasty-looking cheese. It's quite a remarkable sample of cheese. There is a prominent vein of blue culture running down the side. There are naturally forming salt and sugar crystals glimmering in the faint light of a dismal, grimy basement window. The wonderful odor of the cheese hangs in the air like a welcome banner at a state fair. Henry sprints toward the cheese, and the mouse that is dressed like a security guard steps into his path, and Henry bounces off of him. He's knocked back onto his behind like a small sack of beans. Hey, what are you doing? I need to get some of that cheese. You may not have the cheese, the guardian of the cheese says. Of course I can have the cheese, Henry says. I'm a mouse. That's what we do. We eat cheeses. That's our whole thing. You may not have this cheese, the guard says. It's all for you, Henry says. You're going to eat all that cheese by yourself. That's a little much, ain't it? You know it's going to dry up and be all hard and get stuck in your teeth and everything, Henry says. I am not going to eat this cheese, the guard says. Well, get out of my way, Henry says. I'm going to eat it. You are not going to eat this cheese, the guard says. Hold on a minute here, Henry says. Let me get this straight. You're a mouse. You ain't going to eat this cheese, but you ain't going to let me have any. That is correct, the guard says. How the heck is that a thing in life? Henry asks himself rhetorically. How can he stand there so close to that cheese and he doesn't want any and he won't let me have any? I don't get it. I don't get it, Henry says. Henry begins pacing back and forth and he begins engaging the guard with conversation. So look, pal, I'm looking at you. I see you're a pretty big mouse. You have that nice outfit you're wearing. You stand tall and at attention. And I notice that you, you know, you, you got a little meat on you. You got a little gut underneath that jacket, don't you? They must pay you, huh? Yes, I am paid for my duties. That is correct, he responds. Wow, they must pay you pretty good, Henry says, to stand there so close to that really great smelling cheese and to not have any. But to be so dedicated to protecting it like this. I am paid fairly. I am compensated and my life has purpose, the guard says. So, Henry says, let me ask you something. Do you mind if I ask you something? I don't suppose there can be anything I could do to stop you from asking me a question, the guard says. Okay, Henry says. You tell me they pay you to watch this delicious cheese that you refuse to eat and that you refuse to allow me to eat and that they must pay you because it looks like you got extra meat on your bones that you don't even need. So, uh, look, uh, what, uh, what do they pay you? The guard looks at Henry, peering down at him from beneath the rim of his sharp-looking security guard helmet. They pay me with cheese, he says. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. That's it. Henry's flummoxed. He spins around. He throws his arms up in the air. Wait a minute. Hold on. Henry once again commences pacing and talking to himself. Okay, okay, let's see. This guy tells me that he stands in front of this cheese that he don't eat 
and that he won't let me eat. And then they pay him with cheese to watch this cheese that he don't eat. Henry is incredulous, and the look that he is giving the guard shows it. Look at me, pal, Henry says. Look at me and tell me you're telling me what you're telling me, that you don't eat that cheese, but that they pay you with cheese to watch that cheese that you don't eat. That is correct, the guard says. So you're a cheese guard, Henry says, in so many words. I suppose one could say I am a cheese guard, says the cheese guard. It is pretty nice cheese, Henry says. It smells amazing. The way it looks in that light coming from the window is, well, it's kind of poetic, really. I guess I can understand why it should be guarded, he continues. It is, in fact, a fine specimen of cheese, says the cheese guard. Okay, now we're getting somewheres, Henry says to himself under his breath. Hey, Henry says, what's it like being so close to that cheese? It must smell amazing, huh? It's rather pungent, the cheese guard says, with some lightly sweet and salty undertones. Very lovely, he says. Have you ever accidentally tasted it, Henry asks? Like, did you ever accidentally bump into it and then get some on your jacket and then, like, lick your jacket or something? I have not, says the cheese guard. You know, uh, Henry inquires, I, I never got your name. My name is Ronald, the cheese guard informs him. Do you mind if I call you Ronald or you, do you prefer cheese guard? I, I suppose you may call me Ronald, he responds. So there has never been a thing where a small, tiny bit of cheese falls off of that gigantic, voluptuous piece of cheese there, and you never bent over and picked it up and put that in your mouth. Not one time. There has not, Ronald answers. And, and what would happen if that did happen? Say a small piece of cheese would fall off of that big chunk. What would you do then? I would retrieve the small piece and place it back with the rest of the cheese, Ronald answers. He'd retrieve it, he says. He'd retrieve the small piece of cheese. Henry is openly dubious of the cheese guard now. Let me ask you another question, Ronald, Henry says. Do you mind if I ask you another question? I know I cannot stop you from asking me more questions, Ronald answers. Are, are, are there any more jobs guarding the cheese? I mean... You can't be here 24 hours a day. Someone must relieve you of your duties of retrieving small pieces of cheese and to otherwise be a cheese guard, right? You are correct, Ronald says. There is another guard, and he relieves me in the evening. Okay, okay, Henry says. Uh, do you think they'd hire me? Whoever owns that chunk of cheese, do you think they'd hire me to guard this cheese? I do not believe they would employ you, Ronald says. Why not, Henry asks. What's the problem? I'm a mouse. I'm like any other mouse. I got a family. They need cheese. I can bring the cheese home that they pay me and I can feed my family. What's the problem? Ronald responds, you look diminutive and thin and hungry and they would fear that you'd eat the cheese rather than guard it. Well, that's a catch-22, I guess, if I ever heard one, Henry says. I see your point, Ronald says. Well, you're not going to let me have any of that cheese, are you, Ronald? These are not my decisions, said Ronald. I can see that, 
I can see that, Henry responds. I have to ask you another question, Ronald, and I don't want you to get mad at me. I just have to ask, Henry says. I couldn't avoid your question if I wanted to. I have to stand here all day long, Ronald says. Okay, okay, how can I put this delicately? I mean, I guess I have to just come out and ask him. You, uh, you know you're a mouse, right? Ronald confirms that he is a mouse. I am, in fact, a mouse, he says. Okay, okay, you know, I just had to ask for my own sanity. (laughs) I'll see you around, Ronald. Maybe you'll see me sometime and we can have a different kind of talk altogether. I hope, I hope that can be the case sometime, Ronald. Henry turns to leave and just as he's about to go back up the stairs, he originally came down. He hears Ronald exclaim, Oh no, this is terrible. It seems that a piece of this gigantic chunk of cheese has fallen to the ground and I fear that the situation will deteriorate if this evidence is left behind. A not ungenerous piece of cheese rolls over where Henry is. Henry hungrily and eagerly takes a bite and stuffs the excess into his cheek. His eyes are wide. The two smile at one another as Ronald takes a small crumb of cheese and slides it into his mouth. He winks at Henry. I'll see you around, Ronald, Henry says. You did a good job guarding that cheese. The end. Oh, there it is. I'm glad people are watching it every day. I'm glad people are listening and I'm and checking out my my flash fiction February, but share it. I need to see it. I need to see somebody share this. You don't understand. I'm putting a lot of work in this and I need to feel appreciated and I need to feel it right now. So please share this story with somebody, some way. Do something to prove that you're not just bored or something. That it's at least a decent attempt at something, okay? Flash fiction February, that's right. You got it right. I'm just making a quick edit on my story while I'm talking to you very briefly. So listen, smell the inside of your nose, do it right now. You could go to BitChute. You could go to Rumble. You could go to HowTube. You could go to Stacker.News. You could go to Fountain App. You could go to a half a dozen or more other places and just do a search for Herschel Sterling or Commercial Herschel and you will find me all over the place. Because I'm getting out there. But I really need a share. If you read this story or if you listen to my podcast, could you please, could you please just go put it on your social media. Just go do that or something. Just tell your friend. Do something so that I can see. So that I can see with my eyeballs that somebody did something. Because I know you're listening because I see my listens every day. And that's cool. And I'm thanking you for downloading and checking it all out and, and checking me out every day. But how about a quick share? How about it? Could you? Would you? That would be really great. So at the beginning of the show, I do an introduction that's two minutes long. At the end of the show, I do an outro, or what I call the send-off, and that's about three minutes long. And that's what's going to happen now. So at the beginning of my show, if you don't feel like sitting through the introduction, just fast forward to two minutes. But now it's the end of the show, and it's time for something special. It's time for something special. It's time for the send-off. I read it every day, and it's the same every day, only different. This place that we live, it's not a joke. When I gaze at the stars at night, when I look out over the hills during the day, I'm consistently reminded that we live on a planet in space 
wailing through the galaxy like a screaming rock, or on such a small planet, in such a tiny galaxy, that no matter where we are in our galactic cycle, the universe of stars seem immovable. That's incredible. We're just a little moment. We're just an instant in an infinite universe. But we're infinites in an instant universe. And every event that's ever happened here, and that will ever happen here, happens simultaneously in the snap of a finger. The instances of existence are so close in proximity that the whole thing is a singular material event. It's essentially over already. It's hard to believe we're even experiencing it. And I hope we can be here tomorrow, kooky, nuclear, war freaks. There are people who would say that makes us insignificant. I strongly, very strongly disagree. The fact that we are improbable is the very thing that makes us momentous. We're conscious beings who can observe ourselves. We're consciousness observing itself. You're each a refraction of light from a single source. You're the individual and the whole. Simultaneously, you're a masterful, mysterious, distinctive, and anomalous paradox. And I'd say that's rather significant. In the context of the time that our galaxy is here, and the infinitesimal millifraction of time that we each have within that context, the reality of your consciousness and your power to observe and manipulate matter, to use space, the essence of your energy and your planning and your time usage in this three-dimensional plane, the influence of your refraction of the source is immeasurably exponential in the cosmic expanse because it expands as far as you're able to observe into the infinite universe because your observation affects it You're rare. You're not only a body. You have radiance. You radiate light. Your eyes can't see the frequency, but there's light. You're a luminescent jewel, and you can shine on yourself from within yourself. You're significant beyond the perception of anyone else. You shine on yourself while you shine on others. What an honor that you shine on me. Thank you. Now, smell the inside of your nose. Do it right now.